For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Ashley. And this is Brittany. And we are More Than a Season podcast. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen and just tune in. We always love having y'all come and join our platform and our community. It means so much to us. So thank you for choosing to be here today. Yeah, we are just so happy to be back for another episode. Right now we are recording virtually, which is always a little bit difficult. We Mm -hmm. will finally get the hang of this when we have to eventually (laughs) when we both are in different locations. But right now I am in California for a few weeks spending time with some family during this recruiting season and getting some wedding things done. Yeah, it's always so fun. I always ask Brittany every conversation. I'm like, okay, what did you do today? So you have some fun like things you're doing next on your list, right? Yeah, we are going dress shopping. So that will be fun. I've just been giving my bridesmaid boxes out. I got the cutest little things. I got these little like mini cowboy hats that go on the top of the Tito's caps. They're Mm -hmm. so cute. They're like hot pink. So we did that and my mom and I have just had too much fun. We don't like to do anything, you know, half-ass when we do these things. We were like, (laughs) we should add this and we should add this. So we just kept going with our little boxes and we were having way too much fun. And actually, I just took my brother to the airport and I was cracking up because I kept being like, okay, do you have your phone charger? Do you have your wallet? Do you have your (laughs) toothbrush, toothpaste? And my mom was like, you're acting like he was like a kindergartner, like going to his first day of school. And... I said, I do that for Drew. Do you do that yeah. for Carson? Okay. Yeah. I literally will be like, did you pack deodorant? Did you pack this? Did you pack? Yeah. Because then they're like, no, I didn't. It'll be like yeah. one thing that they miss. And I'm like, aha, I knew it. I always think it's funny when Drew's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he forgets it. And I'm like, <laughs> see, next time you won't say yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll actually listen to my questions. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think it's funny. I'm like a personal checklist. I don't know if that's micromanaging your significant other, but you know, it works. So I <laughs> completely agree. (laughs) I appreciate it when people do it for me too, because it helps you to think back like, did I actually pack that? Did I just take it out and get it ready to pack? And you're going, you're packing soon. You're going on a fun trip. Uh, Yes, we, I'm, well, we, I'm saying me and my suitcase and I are going to uh, Cabo and I'm excited. I haven't been in over a year. Um, This is for work though. So it's not like I'm just going to be chilling on the beach every day, but I can't complain because the views will be incredible but we have been working away I'm trying to like keep pounding the caffeine to keep going on this day I'm like oh I just need to get through it but yeah so I'm excited I will be in Mexico um this week so hopefully y'all can check it out on some of the stories but I'll be sharing the beautiful weather and views with everyone (laughs) yes that'll be fun that's a long flight from Mississippi Yeah, that Birmingham drive is not one of my favorites. And as you all know, I'm sure in the community, when you live in a college town, you don't get blessed with the airport that's real close to you, unless you're lucky. So 
<laughs> two hour drive. Can't complain. It'll be good. But speaking of jobs, we do want to dive into our conversation about the job board. We don't want to forget it. We're doing some housekeeping right now before we talk about our episode. Make sure that you all submit a job that you would like to share with somebody else if your company is hiring. So we have several ways that you can do that. You can click the link in our bio on our Instagram page, and it'll take you directly to where you can fill out that form if you have a job. And then also, if you're part of our lovely newsletter, you can definitely click the link on there as well and submit that way. Yeah. And then there's also a link in our show notes for all of the things that we talk about on this episode. So if you ever have any questions or you think back to what were they talking about again when I was listening (laughs) to that one episode, pretty much everything that we always talk about is in all of the show notes linked and you can go back at any point and look through any of those episodes to find the links that you need. So definitely make sure you check out our show notes and about this episode. We're excited yeah. for this one because we have been wanting to include track and field more because mm-hmm. we know that there are some sports that we are just lacking with representation for these different sports and that's exactly what we did last week with our referee talk and we're doing it again this week with track and field and so we brought on LaShawn Smith, who is a track and field's wife. Yeah, her story is pretty incredible. We won't ruin too much of it because we were just kind of speechless listening to her talk. There's so many things that you don't know, like being on the outside, especially if you're not involved in the sport and just how the entire operation of like track and field works, like how there's so many different events, the way that you network in order to get jobs, the way that the turnover is, or even their season, it is unlike any other. Yeah, I think that's the best part too about this community is we can all learn something from a different sport, a different person. You know, that is the reason why we want to be so inclusive with everyone within our community, all different sports, all different levels. If you're a girlfriend, a fiance, a wife, a friend, a mom, Mm -hmm. anything, you are always included in our community. And so we just thank you for being here and we hope you enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, welcome back to another interview. Yeah, you know that it's our favorite time of the week and we love having special guests on, but this this one's unique. I really think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. We have been following her on social for a long time and we're Mm -hmm. so excited to finally get her on the pod to talk all about the track and field industry. So we will let her go ahead and introduce herself. Hey, ladies, what's up? Thank you, Brittany and Ashley, so much for having me on. I'm LaShawn Smith. I am a coach's wife for the track and field world, which we don't get to see much of these days. And so I am married to Glenn Smith, who's Canadian, but of course he is coaching here at the University of Central Florida, which is also where I get to work as well. So I'm uh, not just a coach's wife. I am also a mom of two little boys, four-year-old Atlas and one-year-old Apollo. Oh my gosh. I love their names. That's so fun. How did you come up with their names? Honestly, with Atlas, I knew he was a boy. I had my dreams and we came across a Facebook article of like Greek baby names, you know, coming in style, came across Atlas. I didn't even realize that Atlas was the Greek God who holds the world, which obviously makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was kind of set on that before we knew he was a boy. And when we found out myself and Glenn were both like, we really like Atlas. And then of course, when we had Apollo found out it was a boy, it was like, do we want to keep the A theme? And do we want to keep, you know, the Greek name and Apollo just seemed to be a good fit for him. I love that. That's awesome. 
So we want to dive into track and field because you are our first. So let's talk a little bit about first how you met your significant other. And then let's dive into some misconceptions because we have seen track and field throughout our entire life, but we do not know what's going on behind the scenes. So give us a little bit of the background of you and then track and field. Yeah, so I ended up in the sports world because I am a former track and field athlete, ran pretty much my whole childhood life. And then I uh, had a full scholarship to go uh, run for Iowa State University. So I went to Iowa State, spent my time there in Ames, Iowa, fast forward, graduated, went back home to Texas, ended up in Kansas at one point coaching track. It it was a lot. (laughs) And at that point, when I was coaching, it was a really profound moment for me. And I realized how much I did not know on a coaching side of things coming from a former athlete. And so I was just dealing with a lot personally, did not want to be back home in Texas. So I decided to move back to my college town in Ames, hoping to kind of work under my coach as maybe a volunteer coach. Well, in the midst of all that, because we know how the domino effect of when one coach quits or gets fired, those things happen. Mm -hmm. So my head coach at the time took another job, which then my coach who I wanted to try and volunteer under ended up leaving and he was a sprint coach. So then that's where Glenn comes in. He ended up getting hired and moving to Ames the same year I moved back. So, yeah, so that's how we ended up meeting that way. And here we are. (laughs) That's crazy. So did he run as well or did he, was he involved in track and field before? Yes. So uh, Glenn ran for his alma mater in Canada, and then he did his master's at UT, Texas. And so he then trained and ran quite a bit post-collegiately. So he did really well. And then probably maybe late 20s decided that he wanted to, you know, just kind of focus on coaching. So he's been coaching a little over 15 years. Wow. Okay. So you are from Texas and then you moved to Iowa. And I lived in Iowa for two years from California, so I know how big of a change that is. But also, can we talk about the people? Because the people there are absolutely amazing. I think they're some of the nicest people. Yeah, Brittany loves Iowa people. I do. Yes. <laughs> what part of Iowa? I lived in Oskaloosa, Iowa, a small, small town. Well, I feel like you girls might be a little younger than me. My friend Brittany Olson is from there. I don't know if you would know her, but she she's a great person. We're in each other's wedding. Her family is probably the only people I know from there. I love Iowa. Being from Texas is a place that honestly I forgot existed, (laughs) but it's a place that I'd say, tell people I grew up mentally and spiritually. My church family there, it was the first non-denominal church I went to. Grew up Southern Baptist. So (laughs) Very big change. And then mentally, just growing up, you ladies probably have seen, I I post a lot about domestic violence and sexual abuse. And so because of my family background and upbringing, there's a a shelter there that will always have my heart where I ended up being a volunteer in undergrad. And then senior year, I was an intern through AmeriCorps. And then when actually when I moved back to Ames 2013, the same year Glenn got hired, I ended up working there as a full-time domestic violence advocate. Oh, wow. That's really cool. cool. So what was that first like year like when you guys started dating and you were kind of involved in the other side of like seeing him be a coach and kind of be that significant other? What was that like for you? 
Yeah, so we uh, fought it for quite a bit. <laughs> Glenn is 14 years older than me. So, of course, you've got this black girl, this white guy, like, mm, what's going on here? <laughs> it's like, how did y'all meet? Wait a minute, was he your coach? Because I always have to be very clear because he was the sprint coach. I was a sprinter. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. And so I always have to be clear about that. But I was in a really rough place, honestly, personally. And I tell people that Glenn is probably the first man I've ever encountered that pursued me differently. Mm -hmm. uh, we were friends. We didn't even start. He started in 2013. We didn't even start hanging out like on our first date until March of 2014. But he was just so sweet, so kind. The broken pieces of me was like, what do you want from me? Like, I know you're going to hurt me, like just mm -hmm. hurt me now so I can kick you to the curb and move on. <laughs> and he didn't. And so I really do believe it was God ordained just how we met. But it was very interesting being the girlfriend of a coach, you know, the athletes, some of the girls went to my church. So I really had a good relationship with them. But just to see things on a different side, the the hard choices he would stress about as a coach to having to make, you know, whether someone gets to travel or not, because track, it's very different. It's not like maybe basketball, whether, you know, the team goes, but, you know, being a coach's wife, uh, as people say, or try to say, don't say, you know, what you signed up for, you know, I enjoy being supportive of him because it's a sport that I actually got to participate in. It's a sport that I love. I love being at the track meets when I can. I would go to all the meets pretty much if I could when we lived in um, Louisiana, because they were pretty much always in state or I would go to Mississippi or something like that. So now it's a little bit harder. I still try and go to the meets when I can, but now having two little ones, even when I go, it can be a little stressful mm -hmm. because I can't focus on the events, especially Glenn's events, because he's the jumps, the multi and field events coach. So it takes a while as each athlete may take their turn. Whereas with a race, like 100, 200 meter, you can just watch that and then be done. It makes me sad because I'm there, but I'm not Mm -hmm. there. Well, with everything that you just said, I was thinking about your relationship. And I know that growing up in a household with trauma and going through something like that, it provides a lot of strength in your future, not saying in any way that, that I'm condoning that as a positive experience. But I am saying that it shows how much strength you have um, as a person. And I just really appreciate that you shared that information with our listeners and our community, because just admitting that that you had your guard up until you met your significant other and then you're about to go on this long journey. I'm sure you look back and you're like, wow, look where I came from. And this is where I'm at now in my life. So I just wanted to applaud you and thank you for sharing that because I know that that is just like one of those things that you're like, that's a chapter that's not me anymore. And this is where I'm at now. So thank you again. And with track and field, I'm, I'm probably going to sound like an idiot, but with the different <laughs> events, I'm not going to lie. This like literally brought back a uh, high school memory for me. I tried pole vaulting like one time. I'm five two, like on a good day. And I wanted, I mean, I tried, I real tried and, and the pole went in, but nothing else went over. It was just like pole and then me hit the ground. So I want to know with those events, how do you figure out which one you're supposed to be good at or what you're best at? Because there's so many different ones that make up track and field. It's not just sprints. It's not just pole vault. Mm -hmm. So how do you figure that out? Uh, well, that is hard to say, especially with field events. For me, I remember just growing up in apartments and just us 
kids always racing in the apartments, you know, and that's when I kind of learned back then or field. I remember specifically a field day at my elementary school and there was one boy in the class that we would battle back and forth. So I knew I was fast. My friends would, you know, cheer me on. My family knew I was fast. And I remember growing up saying, what do you want to do when you grow up? I would always say, I want to be a track runner because that's what I knew. So for that's how I kind of figured out is being a sprinter. And I learned that over time for any parents that are listening, especially if their kids are getting into track, because, you know, middle school is that awkward time where <laughs> you're figuring out your bodies and, you know, sports and stuff. They make you play. I, I ran cross country, played basketball, and I hated playing basketball. Love watching it, but I'm terrible. I was pretty much forced to play because I was a quick runner. <laughs> uh-huh. So I think with that, it has to start early. By the time high school can hit, especially let's say when we're talking about hurdlers, you have you can't be afraid to jump over that hurdle, right? So that is things that, you know, you could still learn maybe freshman, sophomore year, but by junior, senior year, you know, students are getting looked at, getting recruited. It kind of has to start early. early on. But we've seen situations where, you know, some athletes then all of a sudden just decide, oh, I'm done with football. Let me go join the track team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they do really well. I've seen stories of basketball players come and do high jump and things because they're so tall and they're just naturally gifted. So that was my personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of my, my next question, because I know that when Drew, my fiance, he talks to recruits, a lot of them do track and field for football. And so he's like, yeah, these guys are so quick. You know, he has receivers. How does your husband navigate that when he has athletes that want to do two separate sports and they kind of don't have a specific focus? Yeah. So here at University of Central Florida, UCF, he does not have to necessarily deal with that so much. It seems like with his group of girls now, because with UCF, we only have a women's team. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we only have that here. We did have a situation. So we were at the University of Louisiana Monroe before we Mm -hmm. moved here 2020. So he had, there were two twins that he was uh, looking to recruit at the time at ULM and they were softball players. Naturally, mm-hmm. you can throw, you're probably going to be a good javelin thrower. Yeah. And so one of them was, I think, the better in that area who was a javelin thrower. And he was able to coordinate with the other coach and was like, hey, you know, how can we work this out? Because I think her and her sister were set in stone. I'm uh, coming to ULM, but the one she did want to try you know, to play both. So I think if coaches are having that good relationship with one another, I know with football, I've seen it, especially with males, it can be harder because, you know, with lifting weights, they're just building a lot of uh, muscle, but then sometimes that might slow them down during track season. And, you know, you have spring ball. So my cousins actually went to Iowa state with me and they pretty much were recruited for football and wanted to do track, but they got to a point, they really had to make a choice as to which one they wanted to focus on. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's good to know because we do see that a lot. And you're like, how does that work? How do you make it work? And I that leads me into my next question that I wanted to ask is what are some misconceptions of track and field that you hear from whether it be friends or like outside family? And you're like, that's not entirely true, but or just fans in general. I'm dying to hear your answer on this one. I know one thing that people just think that track is kind of a one season type deal when it's not. Cause I actually had someone at church last weekend say, I feel like he's 
always doing something. And of course we know in the coaching world that they're never done. Um, right, even yeah. get home, they have to recruit. So just like most coaches, you know, especially with track and field, he's going to be recruiting specifically for his athletes that he's going to be coaching. Now, obviously if he's at a high school meet and he sees some sprinters that he thinks like the head coach, who is the sprint coach want to see, of course, he's going to provide that information, but he recruits specifically for his area that he focuses on track season. We have indoor season and then we have outdoor season. So their off, off season is going to be, you know, summer, fall, but when fall hits in September, when they start practicing full on hours, they will practice from September, December, and then track season for indoor is from January to right at the end of February. And then they'll get couple of breaks, depending on who qualified for nationals or not. And then they'll start back up mid-March for outdoor season. And then outdoor season is from mid-March to hopefully June. And the reason I say hopefully June is because nationals is that second week of June. And so obviously you want to get to that point. That's crazy. Okay. I did not know that. So I'm one of those people. I thought there was only outdoor. I thought it was just indoor if you're in a cold climate, but that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, no. And and it it makes it tough before, like I said, without kids, it wasn't that bad because if I can get off on a weekend and find a cheap ticket, you better believe I'm going, you know, to one of these meets. But now with kids, you know, my in-laws are in Canada because of uh, the upbringing and trauma within my family. There's honestly, I don't just allow anyone on my Mm -hmm. side to watch my kids. And so again, having to back off on traveling or keeping up on things because we do have little ones, it it can be pretty long indoor season, especially now that we're at a place like UCF where there's a little more funding and there's really not that many indoor tracks in the state of Florida. (laughs) (laughs) And so they will fly out quite a bit, but then that means leaving on Thursday, maybe flying back in on Saturday night or waiting till Sunday, if that's the time they can get in. And then outdoor, like we're lucky to be in a state like Florida. So we have plenty of outdoor tracks that they can travel to and make it home Saturday nights. Yeah. Wow. And so are there different athletes that are more trained, I guess, for outdoor versus indoor, or does everyone run outdoor and everyone runs indoor? No, that's a good question, actually, especially for throwers, because there are specific events with throwing that they only do outdoor season. So if that's the only event that they do for outdoor season, then they really won't travel indoor. They'll still train, but there's no point of them going to the meet. And so distance runners, you'll see that too, because obviously they have cross country season in the fall. And then depending on what events the the coach wants them to do, because their, their training is so different from anybody else. So they may or may not compete outdoor indoor season. Yeah, that's also interesting. My brain is like rolling as I'm thinking of (laughs) all these (laughs) details that go into it. Is there any superstition? Like when you were competing, were you like, okay, I have to, I don't know, like wear a certain sock or I have to wear these. I don't know. I just feel like with those kind of like runners, like I even sprinting, I feel like people have like their exact routine that they stick with. So is that common with track and field? Yeah, no, it's definitely common. Every athlete's going to be different. I remember there were specific things that I preferred to just warm up in. I had specific music that I would listen to, even like warming up now in the gym or out at the track. Like I, I don't like anybody talking to me. And I feel like I was that sprinter in college where I was just kind of, a, I came off snobby, but I didn't want to 
have conversation in my warm up. Like I'm in the yeah. zone, mm-hmm. I'm focused, literally do not talk to me until I'm done. <laughs> yeah. But that may not have come off well for some people. So we definitely have different warm ups as well. Your coach might tell you to do a specific warm up if they think might be best for competition. There's a lot of different warm ups you can do within track and field based on the day. I'm not sure about other sports. I'm sure it would be the same thing as well. Yeah. And so like with the track and field coaching industry, is there networking or like, how do you move around? I'm just curious if it's similar to like football and other sports. Yeah, yeah. And I'm happy you asked that because I actually didn't realize that until being a coach's wife. Yeah. So for us, where maybe at the end of fall, where your season, you start to kind of see the coaching staff changes and stuff. Ours is going to be like mid-May possibly because so they're leaving for Wichita next week and that's going to be their conference meet. So I guess another misconception that brings me back to the misconceptions. So with track and field, when you go to the meets, a lot of times you're not winning a medal. Or, you know, growing up in high school where you get the ribbon and the medals and things, you're, you're just going, you are competing, hoping to drop that time down to get on the board, you know, but what happens is at the end of indoor season and at the end of outdoor season, you have what's called conference. That is where the conference meet where everyone in your specific conference shows up, you compete and you earn points. And so that is where you get the medals. That is where you bring home the trophy. And I'm proud to say this (laughs) February, we won the indoor conference for track and field. So that was exciting. Our head coach, our distance coach, and my husband, Glenn, that was all three of their first conference championships. So for all of them to be able to share, that was really exciting. I don't know if y'all saw my videos, but I went and got balloons. I decorated the front door and everything. Yeah. (laughs) It was a big deal for him. So we will have conference next week. And then that will kind of determine, you know, who brings home the big trophy and all of that good stuff. That's awesome. I think that's incredible that you got to experience such a win. That is the coolest thing Mm -hmm. and the feeling because you know how many hours and what it takes to win something like that. So that is so cool. And I wanted to ask about networking because I know that you're talking about transition. So that kind of leads into the next point is networking. How much of a transition do track and field coaches have, whether it be one to two years they're at one location? Is it networking that you have to do in order to get to other spots? So once conference is done, it's kind of when ADs, head coaches, you know, start to make their decisions. So for track, it's going to be typically mid-May at the end of May, you'll start to see that domino effect. You start to hear rumors about Mm -hmm. what's going on. Sometimes you see it. I know even my work field getting jobs, it might be because of who you know, you know, and so What I see is that if you're competing well, especially on this level, if your athletes are competing well, you're recruiting, typically that, you know, maintains stability. If there are other issues, like I said, that I'm just being a spouse, I'm not going to be aware of. If an AD changes, if the head coaches Mm -hmm. changes, you know, if they take you or do they not take Uh you? So it just, I think it's kind of the same for you all. Just, it just depends on every situation. You know, you hear a lot of talk at <laughs> around, yeah. around around this time. You may be on edge with things, but I'm really hopeful here. Honestly, I didn't think I would like Florida, but like just living here, I would love to visit. And I have been here before, but I didn't think I would like it full time. And so my husband has a great relationship with the head coach and the distance coach. They just won conference championships. So we got outdoor championships next yeah. week. So I was like, longevity for me and my jobs. <laughs> yeah. 
What uh, what platform do they hear? Do you hear all these like rumors on? Because we always laugh because we have like a gossip girl. I feel like on Twitter that it basically it's a website that you can read all the rumors. But I'm just curious: is it there like a Twitter page or something that everyone's reviewing to see like hearsay of changes? Funny you ask. So <laughs> there's always stuff on Twitter. There are some certain people in the coaching world that are always just, you know, talk. The only one that I'm aware of, it's called Let's Run. And they have job postings and stuff. So they will update every year on what jobs are open um, and what's available. And it's specifically for track and fields. But they, I've seen there's other articles on there as well that are just related to professional athletes and things like that in the track and field that I don't really look at. But I have snooped at the um, <laughs> Let's Run to, <laughs> to see what's out there. I'm sure there's other stuff that I may not be aware of, but I know that's the main one that people are always talking about and are frustrated because it's gossip. It leads to not focusing on the job postings. I love to see that it's yeah. the same across like a lot of the college sports. You know, it's kind of like you you think you're in this little hole by yourself, but a lot of these other significant others are going through the same thing. And with your job, you mentioned this about longevity. Have you had to switch jobs at every location that y'all have moved to and had to like quit and find another job each time? Yes. So I, I have, yeah. And and it's tough. I'm sure y'all know. Uh, Luckily I'm in higher ed now full time. And so I really do enjoy the work that I do being able to work with my students. Uh, Like I said, in Iowa, I actually uh, got a big promotion to go work with the coalition of domestic violence and sexual abuse in Iowa. I feel like it was going to be my big, big girl job. I wanted to take it, but Glenn and I had just got engaged and I just knew myself like doing the distance thing. And so, you know, I turned it down and thanked him for the opportunity. But then when we moved to Monroe, I personally, I just felt like the area is just behind on a lot of things, the entire state. And that's not to knock anybody. Uh, Monroe, I see so much potential there, but sometimes taking something that you may not be that interested in for the sake of we do need to survive and live. So, but once I started working on the actual campus, then that kind of kept stability for me. So, and then it did leave that door open for me now to get into the position that I have now. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like being able to work at the university level is kind of easier to transfer when your significant other has to move to a different college, you know, but do you ever feel like I kind of felt this way because I I work at Washington State. And so when they were interviewing me, they knew that like, you know, they were probably wanting to hire me, but they were like, well, you might leave soon. So did you do you have that for with any of your interviews? I did actually, I had with one job I did and they were kind of concerned because I found out there was another girl that they had hired for a while whose husband worked at Louisiana Tech apparently. And it was kind of the same thing. So they were a little hesitant. It ended up working out. And that was another reason that really encouraged me to try and get my master's because at places like UCF, it's a big institution. It's one of the largest institutions in the country, really. Louisiana Monroe is a lot smaller. And if I didn't have my master's, there would have been a lot of positions that I just would not have qualified for, even with all of the work experience that I had. So that really pushed me. And thankfully, I finished right before the pandemic hit. Yeah, seriously. And what is what is your master's in? Yeah, so um, I got a mental health and wellness with the emphasis in Christian ministry. Yeah, that's incredible. 
I think that job interviews should not be able to ask that. I will get on a soapbox. I just, I hate that question <laughs> because I remember interviewing as well when we um, were in Kansas and they said, oh, where does your significant other work? And I said, oh, he's in athletics. And I tried to keep it like super, just very yep. broad. And then you can't lie. So you can't be like, oh, well, he's, you know, another position. They can just like Google and look whatever it is. So I always get so stuck on that question. But when you quit that first huge opportunity, how did you really settle and be at peace with making that sacrifice? Because I feel like for me in the beginning, making a sacrifice like that, I kind of had to let go of that was the life that I thought I was going to live. So did you have a time that you were going through that or what, what were you feeling during that time? No, because honestly, I, for a while, I didn't want to be back in Iowa, but it, I was ready to leave. And I really didn't know what to expect going to Louisiana until we got there. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? <laughs> so I was excited, you know, I was in love. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, because I didn't want to go. I had that fear of going somewhere with a man and we have no, like, what are we doing? I'm not just going to be following you. And so I was at peace. I was excited for the job, but then, you know, I was like, again, I think I just knew that this is what kind of can happen. Uh, I really, really love my work now. I love my church home that we found here. So I don't want to go anywhere. So I will be heartbroken if that were to happen, but I'm not going to think those type of thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) But I do know what you mean, just kind of having to feel, you know, you put yourself Mm -hmm. on the back burner to be able to, you know, support your spouse. And it's even interesting now too, because feeling that way as a mom with kids, like the things that I want to do, the time that I would like to have myself, you know, I have to take care of everybody else before I can mm-hmm. find time for me. And by the time I find time for me, I'm very tired and can't stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. I, I kind of want to talk about that too, because obviously we don't have children yet. So we always love to ask questions about being a parent and being a mom. And I know that you have a blog as well. So what was the idea behind that? And what, how did you start like your platform to kind of encourage other mothers? My personal blog, I actually got rid of for right now because it's just so hard being consistent when you're trying to find time to write life and kids. Um, The blog that I have currently posted that I wrote is through the platform called Mommy Nation and Mommy Nation. I am a mom ambassador for them. So I'm really excited about that to have that new connection of just women who you know, deal with the same struggles that I do. (laughs) Founder of that is actually a four-time gold medalist Olympian, Sonia Richards Ross, who started that platform and basically wanted to have an environment for all women in the nation to be able to just meet other women, to connect, have information resources, especially Black moms, because you just don't always see that. So being a mom ambassador, we're able to write for their platform and they post it on there. I'm so jealous. They're taking a mommy trip this weekend and it's track season so I could not go. So I'm very jealous, (laughs) but I decided to use their platform. Obviously I love Sonia Richards Ross. She ran track at the university of Texas, which is also where she met her husband, who was a pro football player. He played football there too. So that platform stood out to me and really just everything that they embody and that they modeled was something that I felt like aligned on with what I believe in and the support of moms that I wanted. And so, because I was not consistent in my specific writing, I decided to say, okay, 
I can write whenever I want to for them. But I do love Instagram and having like that IG blog, if you will, to be able to kind of share my story as a survivor growing up with domestic abuse, being sexually assaulted. And because of my own experiences, the work that I do now and have done, I'm really big on just uplifting women and girls from that shame, that guilt, trauma, really just kind of you know, that self-love, self-care, um, and really talking about some of those topics that it's really hard for people to engage. Some people mm-hmm. might think it might be oversharing, but my favorite author, Brene Brown, if y'all haven't gotten into Brene Brown, y'all got to get into Brene Brown. <laughs> but she, she specifically said, I believe in one of her books saying that other people cannot heal until you share your story. Mm-hmm. And so there are people out there waiting for me to speak. There are people out there for you to waiting for you to, to speak about your platform and to use whatever it is that you have to encourage other women and other wives and moms. And so I hate that I'm always on social media sometimes, but I think it's allowed to make beautiful connections like this one Yes, mm-hmm. and just reach people who I, I have had a lot of people will message me and just thank me for posting that because one, they've been through it and then they don't have that courage or they're not ready to talk to someone about their situation. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful platform that you can speak and have your own, you know, just your own word and be able to share or share what you want or not what you want. And I think that's really cool that you're a part of this network that you can just really be yourself and then also learn from others. And I know that with Our community here, Brittany and I talk about it almost weekly of how much we have learned from other people. And if we've learned anything in the past two years, it's if we do not speak up or talk about what we're going through or learning from other people's journeys, then we're not really changing ourselves and we're really just staying uh, stagnant and there's no growth. So I completely agree with everything that you said. I do think that with that and and motherhood and everything that comes into play with the sports industry, what would be your first piece of advice for someone that's a new mom about to endure all this? Uh, A new mom, especially in the coaching world, find your support system. For me, Mm -hmm. like I said before, with my family, we got some things we got to work out. And so (laughs) even if we were in like a, a space that I would ideally want, they're in Texas. My husband's family's in Canada. They just can't be mm-hmm. here like the way that I would want them to. And so you have to be proactive about finding your mom tribe. That was my first blog that I wrote on Mommy Nation is finding your mom tribe because it is so important, especially when your spouse is gone and traveling and you're, you're just either going insane, you need support, you need help. That was That's one of the biggest thing is whether it's church, uh, either a book club, whatever it is that you like to do, just get out and making sure you're making connections with people because that is going to fill your bucket. And, you know, family is what you make it right? And so mm-hmm. you have to really, really be proactive about that. The friends I've made now when we want to have play dates, I joke and say, if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening, but it's so serious. <laughs> I have reached that status in my mom adult <laughs> world. <laughs> <laughs> that if it's not in the calendar, we're just going to talk about it and it not happen. So pull out the phone, send, send the calendar invite. It might seem a little businessy or cheesy, but at least, you know, you have it there. You're being mm-hmm. proactive. Everyone says it, it's easier said than done, but seriously, find time for yourself, mm-hmm. whether it's a lunch day, brunch day, you know, we love a good brunch, <laughs> especially in Florida. There's plenty of options, you know, brunch day, just a girl's night, really get out. I love my mother, but I remember just growing up, her excuse was, 
I'm tired. She never took a trip. Mm -hmm. She never did anything. She always slept. Knowing things about mental health now, there probably were things that she was going through that made Mm -hmm. her kind of isolate and shut down, but that I wasn't aware of. But I never saw my mom be like, "Uh uh-uh, y'all staying home. I'm going out to dinner with my girls, go have some drinks. Like I never saw that. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want to be so lost in being a wife, be so lost being a mom, because those are not my only identities. And those are not the identities I had coming into this world, Yeah, you know, and I think it's, it is hard to get it done and to remember, but you really have to dig deep and find that strength because that's just going to make you feel good about yourself, getting things done and tell your spouse. Like, hey, this is what I was invited to. This is what I'm doing on this day. I know you ain't got practice. You're not making no calls. Uh uh-uh. uh. You, you finna be stuck with the kids. And I will see y'all when I get back. You will be all right. I love that. I love the empowerment behind that too, because I think. The more that you pour into yourself, the more that you can pour into others. And I really believe that, you know, I've seen all my friends with their kids too. And I feel the same way. Like when they are able to kind of like take that break, they are just such better moms because they're more involved and they're more like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to like go play with you now. Like I'm not trying to have you just sit on your iPad for hours. So I love the way that you put that. And we always ask this question and I don't know if it, if you have a different answer from what you just answered because it was so great. But if you could go back in time and tell your younger self just getting started in this track and field industry, one thing that you've learned, what would you say? Again, I would just say uh, patience. And the reason I say patience because it makes me think of just not just track and field world, but being married. I think people, when I see people struggle within their marriages, I I love talking about healthy marriages because again, that's not something that I got to see. And I always tell people when I give new marital advice and things, when you're dating someone, you're dating your boyfriend and girlfriend, you're getting to know who each other are as boyfriend, girlfriend, but then you get married and you're moving in with each other. You're marrying, Mm -hmm. we're talking about the coaching platform. So you're marrying a coach. You have to understand there's going to be late nights. You have to understand that there may not be date nights or they're kind of, my husband, he always puts it like he's kind of always on call because if something were to happen with the athlete, Mm -hmm. that's just what it is. And he has to deal with whatever the situation is. And so once you get married, you're figuring out who you are as a wife and they're figuring out who they are as a husband and you're figuring each other out together, being one, being connected, living with each other and dealing with this new lifestyle and recognizing that you are going to be away from family and friends, depending on what the situation happens. And then throw kids into the mix (laughs) (laughs) or no longer husband, wife, you are now parents and you're a parent for the first time and your spouse is a parent for the first time. And that will cause a lot of frustration and communication. Like my husband is 14 years older than me. He is a white male from Canada who very, very different upbringings, cultural styles. Mm -hmm. But for me, I also, it's fun because it allowed me to check some of the ways that I'm like, oh, do I need to continue to do this as a parent? Just because this was, you know, I don't have to do it that way. And for him as well, I grew up around kids more than he did, but that still doesn't make me more of an expert, but I have to give him patience Mm -hmm. because as a woman, I think we're just naturally given that instinct with certain things. And I'm like, dude, what you doing over (laughs) there? 
you know, I would say give yourself grace, give your partner grace, and also just have some patience because it is a learning curve for everybody. And what you think might be common sense, it may not. And you're learning together. It's a, I really think it's a cool life. Like who knows us three could end up in the same state at some point. Like, like Mm -hmm. you just Mm -hmm. never know. Um, And I think it's really cool. And that's why I love y'all's platform and like even including me on track and field. And that's why when I talk about things, I come from a track and field perspective because you always hear from the football wives and the basketball yep. wives. They got their TV show. Mm-hmm. We're track and field wives. I want a show, you know. We should pitch that. I think we should pitch yeah. that. <laughs> you know, or my husband, he, he jokes and he's like, oh, are you a part of the WAGs now? I'm like, really, dude? <laughs> well I I think just all your wisdom is so wonderful I was like over here taking mental notes because everyone needs the reminder and I think that the more that we speak about it and talk about our journey and what we're going through with each other it just makes everything more open and just I feel like everyone's mind just will become I guess more open to change and the ability to everyone's journey being different. So we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and thank you to everyone that's listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on more than a season podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at more than a season podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.